Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, before we get to the weather, I have to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. I'm, I'm 30 and 1. You're th- oh, what oh. I've decided. Oh, okay. So you're going to take that. So you got fouled on your 30th birthday and we're going to give you an extra free throw. Is that what it is? Yep. That is exactly what it is. 30 and 1. All right. I'll, I'll take it. So happy 30 and 1 birthday. <laughs> Sounds very weird to say on my end, but hey, seriously though, happy birthday. I hope that you had a chance to get out and celebrate. I know you you and your sister and some friends went out and uh, got to you know kick up the town as much as you guys do in Oklahoma City. So uh, I'm very happy for that. And again, I am stoked it is your birthday. Well, thank you. Yeah, we went out to a really nice restaurant last night and there was a wait, of course, but they have an outdoor bar. And let me just tell you, the winds yesterday were being so disrespectful. It was unreal. We were like, like my lashes were blowing off my face. Oh no. It was so windy. It was so windy. So I just, you know, I didn't really appreciate um, the Oklahoma winds, but you know, you can't tell them what to do. Right. And they did come sweeping down the plane. So really hard sweeping. I'm sorry. Well, well yeah, you know, listen, it's still your birthday. You had a blast. Honestly, that's yeah. all that matters. That's right. Nailed it. Right. So today's your birthday. Today is also Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there of real children and fur babies, because we cannot forget them. Right. And I'll tell you, this this happens probably every other year or every three years that my birthday falls on actual Mother's Day. And, you know, those years, you know, when mom was here, I was just like, well, I'm your Mother's Day gift. You're welcome. As you as you are. Absolutely. You were the best gift, and we won't tell your sister we're saying this, but you were the best gift to your mom, so. (laughs) That's right. I think Mother's Day's fallen on her birthday, too. Hers is May 14th. Oh, yes, it has. Wow, look at that. Yeah. May is a fun month, and then throw in a graduation every once in a while. Yeah, May can get real crazy real fast. (laughs) Right. Thank God they keep wedding season into June and July. Right? Because you would just be too busy booked out in the month of May. I know. It'd just be one giant party. Well, it is one giant party for me because I'm a IndyCar fan. The month of May is something special because the end of the month we have the Indy 500. But I digress. This is about you and not me. But I also I really love being a May baby because that's when, you know, May is when the funnest weather happens. Is funnest a word? Yes, it is. Okay. If I said most funnest, that would be wrong. That's a double entendre, but sure, it works. It's your birthday. You can do whatever you want. The rules of grammar don't matter on my birthday. Just that like calories true. don't matter. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Deep dish pizza all day long. Right, and you should see my two layer cake that my really. I best saw it on Twitter. Made. That was gorgeous. Isn't it amazing? It, it is, is so delicious, and she put little diamonds on it, and my little blingy bee. And I'm telling you, it's um, it's pretty amazing. No one's ever made me a cake like that. Well, you know what now. Now that you've hit 30 and one, um, <laughs> you have a high standard going forward. So, but the cake exactly. did look amazing. Oh, and it, it tasted really good and the icing tasted really good and it's not, 
it's not fondant. It kind of looks like it is, but it's not. It's just plain icing. Oh, it's the best. It's all smooth. Yeah, and it tastes so good. Because, you know, fondant's kind of weird. It's like eating Play-Doh or something. It is, and well, it, I mean, it kind of is. It's edible Play-Doh. Yeah, like that has a little sugar in it, I guess. And I know it's not really for eating, but you can eat it. But I'm You really totally can eat it. Just... You can, it's consumable. Yeah, but it's just bleh. Yeah, I get it. Well... You mentioned the fun month of weather in the month of May, and yesterday the great state of Kansas got into some of the action. It was it was forecasted to be a busy day, but it wasn't forecasted to be something overall super special. But Bonnie, um, I know you're trying not to go crazy with the lack of really good severe weather in the state of Oklahoma, so I'm just going to ask you to just take a deep breath. We're only nine days into the month of May. We still have 21 days to go. I know, and I have to keep telling myself that. But you know what? It's my birthday, and <laughs> I'm that person that's like anything that goes wrong or anything that I have to say, I'm like, it's my birthday. Right. But it is. Like, give me some good weather already. Like, I'm getting impatient, and I don't want to be like the rest of the weather community who's kind of sticking a fork in it and saying it's done, but it's just – like, where is it? It just, the only people who are getting it is like Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Your turn will come. <sighs> Fine, if you Half say faith. so. I do. I do say so. Half faith, your turn will come. We will get a true, really good Midwest Oklahoma plane tornado outbreak sometime this season. You know, even a really decent squall line would just be nice. Because, I mean, there's been years where we would just get those kind of squall lines back to back to back to back, you know. And we just haven't had anything. And, you know, the squall lines like to happen at night because all the supercells merge after, you know, the sun goes down and stuff. But I just miss those. I miss thunder and lightning and stuff. No, I'm I'm 100% with you. I totally get it. Well, I will try to be patient, but no promises. <clears throat> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. With that said, with that said, you still have a legitimate shot of some thunderstorms today. You guys are in, you know, the marginal risk, which is fine. You're still in the general thunderstorm risk as well. But let's take a deep breath and take a step back, right? It is early May. Dixie Alley is still in their technical chase season. Yes, we are seeing Louisiana and Alabama and Mississippi get all the fun right now, and they've been getting the fun for the last three months. Your time will come in the plains. Just give it a, a time or two. Well, and I just try to remember, you know, when I start feeling like nothing's going to happen, I try to remember the year 2013, and that was the end of May, that we had two very significant events. So... Like, there's still time, like you said. Deep breaths. Deep, deep breaths. <sighs> did that count as a deep breath? Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> so, let's not worry about that. But since we are talking about current weather, we do have to bring this up. It is May 9th, 2021. And, Bonnie, we already have our first tropical system. I'm telling you, this year's trying to outdo last year. Oh, it totally is. Tropical storm uh, Andres has formed in the eastern Pacific. It is currently a tropical storm right now. It is forecasted to become a depression over the next 24 to 48 hours. It is not going to affect any land. It is slowly moving to the northwest and then will move more due west. So 
Technically, we know the tropical season does not start in the Atlantic until June 1st. Does not start in, in the Eastern Pacific until May 15th. So it's a few days ahead of schedule, but it's relatively early. Yeah. So definitely early. And well, for it to get to tropical storm status, that's a pretty decent status. You know, that's just under hurricane. So, right. I mean, you know, it's like I said, trying to outdo last year. <laughs> we will see what happens. We will see. Gonna what move happens. right through the alphabet <laughs> in both oceans. <laughs> As we should. As we should. So, in addition to having a tropical system, we do have thunderstorms across the continental U.S., um, U.S., not U.N.S. It's not the United End States. We are the United States. <laughs> it's because I said 30 and 1, and it, now we exactly. want to and weird Exactly. 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's Bobby and Bonnie. Um, but actually, that's correct. Yeah, that, it works there. But, you know. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's an early chase season. That has not started for you guys. It's an early tropical season, which is now just kicking off. The Atlantic is quiet. Uh, the only thing happening right now, obviously, is what's going on in the Eastern Pacific. The Central Pacific is quiet. The Atlantic is very quiet. So nothing is forecast for the next 48 hours. We are not going to get into the B-squared tropical weather uh, anticipation forecast model, which is you and I saying, hey, we're ready for something, and it pops up within... 12, 24 hours. We're not there yet. So. Right. We still need some on land spring severe right. weather first. That's what we are wanting. So if we say it enough in this podcast. That is true. Maybe something will happen. Well, I will say this right now. Here's how confident the National Hurricane Center is. If you click on their website, nhc.noaa.gov, and you click on the Atlantic tab, they have not updated the graphics since Friday, April 16th. Well, there you go. So, See, it's a nice break for them. They need that break. They do. Because if it's anything like last year, they're going to be going nonstop for the next, like, six months. 100%. And they have got a chance to go through and update all the 2020 storms. I know they're almost done with a complete year looking back and doing the full deep dive on each of the tropical systems. So if you're a weather nerd like Bonnie and I are, we go through and we read these and, you know, talk about the central pressures and how actually intense it got and landfall and storm surge rates and wind fields and the whole nine. The entire reports, they're going to be available online if they're not already there. Most of them are. But, yeah, shout out to the people of the National Hurricane Center. You guys did a great job last year. You guys will do a great job this year. Let's just wait to get to June before we actually have to start talking about this on a relatively, you know, regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, because we love tropical storm season, best believe. But right. it's still May, and we still want our tornadoes right now. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, one other thing that came out this week that we will get to before we talk to current weather is we have new temperature and new precipitation average maps from our friends at the National Weather Service and NOAA. Now, before you jump to it and be like, oh, my God, new normals, new anomalies, everything's coming to an end, everything's so much hotter, let's just take a step back and let's just take a look at what they actually said, and we will compare it with the last 30 years. Now, the U.S. climate, according to climate.gov, the U.S. climate normal collection has had 10 versions, starting from 1901 to 1930, 
1911 to 1940 and so on. Now we get up to the current. So 1991 to 2020. Difference from average is a majority of the United States is a one degree Fahrenheit above its predecessor. With that said, places in the plains, such as Oklahoma, were actually colder or not as warm. Pick whatever language you want to go with. It means the exact same thing. But people, <laughs> people will nitpick every little detail. So there are a 30-year normal comparative from 1901 to 2000. That is the last time they did the 99-year run. So 1901 to 2000. Now, again, from 1940 on is kind of when I consider us to be in the current meteorological era, meaning that we had records of substantial length start to be taken. Because Mm -hmm. as you found out for your birthday, and I want to talk to you about this in a little bit, you got these great drawings and schematics from your sister for all these great weather instruments. Now, I have to go back and look at this, but the one you sent me about the anemometer cups was patented in 1964. Okay. Yeah. That's 60 years old. There are people alive today on this earth that were alive before anemometer cups were invented. Okay. Wow. Just wrap your head around that for a second. So the temperature averages, and you can see this if you go to climate.gov and the annual temperature compared to 20th century average. Yes, for the 20, you know, for the century average, most of the United States is a degree or warmer Fahrenheit above where we were for that average of 100 years. Does this factor in global warming? Yes, it's one of the big questions that everybody was asking. But again, Noah says, if you go through here, that you can see a clear trend. Okay, one degree Fahrenheit over 100 years is an increase of temperature. I absolutely see that, right? That's what the data shows. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean that it's man-made? Maybe. Does it mean it's a cycle? Maybe. There's no definite answer. But we do see this, and we have seen this for a while, that you know the temperature has risen. But if you're talking about one degree Fahrenheit over a century, that doesn't necessarily gel. Now, this is me stepping on my soapbox real quick, Bobby's soapbox. That doesn't necessarily mirror the forecast projections. So let's just keep all of this in mind and take it with a grain of salt. But... For the data, you clearly see that there is a warming across the continental United States. Okay, great. Now, what about precip? This was the one that was really interesting to me. Over the 100-year average, some portions of the United States, especially the last 30-year average, again, 1991 to 2020, saw a percentage average of difference over the century of 10% or more. And you saw this in areas from the plains all the way from the Canadian border to Mexico and then spreading east uh, into the Great Lakes. But the deep south, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida were pretty average. But you go back and you look at this one, and this one was a really interesting thing to me. Again, looking at the, the six or the, uh, the, ten de- the 10 years within the decade, you see this pattern of how like the northwest where I live, where we go from dry to extremely dry to normal to overly wet 
and we've stayed in that, and now it's shifting back to dry. The desert southwest, again, the desert, okay, starts out relatively wet, stays that way for about 20 years, starts to dry out a little bit, gets really dry, especially dry from the 40s into the 70s, and again, the 50s into the 80s, and then all of a sudden, the 60s into the 90s, they got really wet, and from the 70s to 2000, they got relatively wetter, and then from the 80s to 2010, somewhat wet, and now they're back into a dry, you know, slot. So it was fascinating to go through and watch. Um, Where you are in Oklahoma City, you guys went um, from dry to normal to dry to normal to dry to normal to overabundance of precip, now back into dry. So it's very interesting to look at precip. And again, I don't think that we can necessarily correlate precip year over year because it's just so random. Temperature is a little bit easier to do because it's air and it's free-flowing. But you can have a, and again, this is why I kind of laugh about when we measure rain and use that as a guidance for a forecast or, you know, to say if something's happening within the atmosphere. You can have in, let's use the, um, let's use the desert southwest. Let's use Phoenix in the Phoenix metro area. You can have monsoons move through in the form of, you know, giant thunderstorms. And say you get a heavy downpour at Sky Harbor International Airport and say they pick up two inches of rain under a heavy downpour for an hour. While six miles to the northwest in Scottsdale, they remain completely dry all day. And so over the course of a day or two, and again, it should balance out, right? We would think it naturally balances out. But you can get these weird little precipitation spikes in amounts And that counts toward the record. And when you go through and you compile an average, okay, well, you know, Phoenix gets more rain than Scottsdale does. And easily one, two, three, four, you know, heavy downpours can throw those numbers off. So for me, again, I think precip is important. And I love looking at the precip average. I think sometimes, though, that we have to also take that with a grain of salt. Well, and that's, aren't those called outliers, the things that throw your average off? Yes, but how many of those still, but those still factor into an average, right? Because say you have, you know, you use that chart. Um, Let's use the basketball outlier, right? You want to find an average. Say uh, we'll use Russell Westbrook because I know he's one of your favorite players. Okay, the guy is a triple-double machine. Mm -hmm. And we know that he's going to probably average, you know, gosh, 40 triple-doubles a year, which is a lot, but that's, that's just kind of his you know, his rise to fame and his rise to freedom. But when you look at that and you go through, okay, you know, he's going to have one year where maybe he has 23 triple doubles. Okay, it's going to throw his breeze average down. And one year he's going to have 55. Every every game, you know, on on a huge, you know, run, he gets a triple double and ends up with, say, 50. Okay, great. You're going to throw out the 23 and the 50. You're still going to have those. But... What happens if he has another 50, another 50 triple-double season, or he has another bad season where he only gets 23? Okay, well, maybe you take out those outliers. But say he gets 24 in a year, and maybe he explodes and gets, you know, 60 triple-doubles, and he wins MVP, and it's the greatest thing ever. Okay, do you now include that season where he had 50? So, again, it's statistics. Yes, you throw out outliers for the most part, but occasionally those start to get folded into the average. Yeah, because those start to become more frequent. Right. And then they're not an outlier anymore, but it's knowing when to determine they don't become an outlier. Here's the deal. Statistics is a whole other math, and it's 
it's so difficult. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So people who can do it, you have my praise because I can't do it. 100%. It is, it is one of those things where I look at and I'm just like, okay, I can do the average of adding everything up and dividing it by the number in the set. Yeah. But when you have to jump into figuring out outliers and figuring out, you know, probability um, and doodly doodly do, it's too much. It's not, it's, and the thing, the reason that it's hard is because I've done more like calculus and stuff like that. And so statistics is just a different type. Like your brain has to switch into a different mode in a way. And so, yeah, statistics is hard. My sister does a lot of statistics. She's a psychology major and she does really good and she understands it. And I'm like, well, you're impressive because it's hard. (laughs) Right. And I mean, let's, let's talk quickly about, you know, the climate averages that we get every year, right? We get the climate outlooks. It's like, well, we have a 33% chance of either being above right at average or below average. Okay. So again, it's looking at, statistics is looking at computer models it's looking at a forecast variability but even that my head hurts yeah because it's like oh okay well it's it either could be or it couldn't be or maybe it will be (laughs) or maybe it'll just be the same it's either going to be right above below or the same and it's like okay that's how everything is (laughs) right exactly i mean i I, there's a joke that i that i like to say occasionally it's like you know you have a 50 50 shot of it will or won't happen which is the most basic underlying probability you can give to anything and that drives me nuts because at that point why are we even assigning a value to it yeah like why are we even talking about it because that's just like basic right that's just how it is you know so yeah like Sometimes those really, really simple things like that are so complicated because they're so simple. You know what I mean? And you're just like, this is really simple. It can't possibly be this simple. And therefore now it's complicated. (laughs) Right. 100%. So, you know, we talk about what used to be normal. Well, from 1991 to 2020, normals tell us that what is normal in today's climate, NOAA does other analysis that tells us about what used to be normal. For its monthly and annual climate monitoring, temperature averages and precipitation totals are ranked since 1895. Now, we know rain gauges have been around for a long time. Same with thermometers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And people have been taking weather records in this country dating back to at least 1770 and if not earlier. Right. So, I mean, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, two founding fathers who were weather nerds. So shout out to my guys who kept temperature records and climate records and forecasting and pretty awesome. Okay. Do you ever just wonder like how people were just sitting around doing their thing way back then and go, you know what? I should probably keep track of how hot and cold it is around here. You know what I mean? Like how they just thought to do that and that it would be important one day. 100%. 100%. It is crazy. It's it's peoples who are fascinated. And again, I know, you know, but gosh, yeah. let's go back to elementary school, right? Benjamin Franklin and a kite with a key. Mm-hmm. Electricity. Okay. <laughs> I know the man is a genius, but let's not sign a death warrant and a death wish by for science. Okay. It's just, it's not worth it. Okay. Well, but you know, it's like those kind of people that, that got the ball right. rolling on it. They everything. had to. And so, yeah, it's like if without them, you know, who knows how 
far behind we would be. You know what I mean? One hundred. Listen, one hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. I'm just saying. Currently, we don't need to go out and do that experiment. <laughs> We're right. not needing to fly a kite in a thunderstorm. Please, let's just let's not do that. There's no need to. We already know what happens. Well, unrelated but related, there's a really good animated movie called Ben and I, and it's about yes. this little mouse who becomes yes. friends with Ben Franklin. It's such a good movie. It's it like, is. It's like 30 or 45 minutes long, but it's such a good movie. Right. And I believe the scene. So I just it, recommend it. And the one that I'm thinking about is he sets up a lightning rod. It gets struck, and it rings a bell. Yeah, or something like that. And and the little mouse, he gets struck by lightning and he gets really mad and he helps, he basically helps Ben Franklin make the stove and make yep. his bifocals. And so like all the credit goes to the mouse basically yep. is he, what this movie is saying. He uses his sharp teeth to cut the lenses. Yeah, exactly. And he like puts them together. Yeah. Fantastic. So it's, it's, a, it's a great movie. I love it. I it think is. I have it on VHS somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it's got to be available on Netflix. I'll have to look it up here in a second. Oh, yeah, it better be. I'm going to watch it if it is. So, but to continue this, so for its monthly and annual climate monitoring, temperature averages and precipitation totals are ranked since 1895, with many states ranking towards warm extremes recently. Also, the U.S. and global climate conditions are compared to the 20th century. The annual average U.S. temperature from 1980, or sorry, from 1895 to 2020 has risen 0.16 degrees Fahrenheit per decade. Okay. The average temperature in 1900, or sorry, 1895, was just a shade over 51 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? That's the average temperature. That's cold. We live in a cold, we live in a very cold climate. Yes, there are days, and, you know, Florida people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, same here. Oklahoma's like, "Uh, I can show you some hot days. (laughs) Right, yeah, come to the Northwest where we're constantly at 50. Anyways, finishing out the temperature... You know, for 2020, the temperature is now roughly looks like just a shade under 53 degrees. So the warming trend, according to NOAA and climate.gov, is 0.16 per decade. Okay, so that makes sense. That's why we're up over the one degree Fahrenheit difference for the overall climate average. So. That's some interesting stuff. If you guys want to read more about this, again, go to climate.gov. You can click through the stories, and it talks about El Nino and hurricanes, and then it will come to the thing that was released here a couple weeks ago, um, talking about the climate averages for 2020, uh, going back to 1991 with a new 30-year average. And, of course, we talked about the hurricanes, and the hurricanes are more frequent in terms of actual number hurricanes, same amount of major hurricanes, and just a slight uptick in overall hurricanes i wonder like and this might sound kind of stupid the way that i'm going to word it but so if every decade we're going up 0.1 whatever degrees does that indicate climate change or global warming or do you think it would have to be a little bit of a higher increase a little bit more frequently than per decade that's to indicate that no one not a stupid question and it was worded perfectly Two, I don't know. If you go back and you look at this webpage, it says that, that it does factor in what they believe to be climate change factors. Now, if that means increased CO2, that it means increased, you know, there are other byproducts that change the climate besides just CO2, but that's that's always the big, dirty, ugly one. So we'll stick mm-hmm. with that. It says they do factor it in. There was another question asked, do they take that out and still create a factor? They said no. 
So if you are looking strictly at temperature, um, 0.16 a decade is not a lot. Again, over 100 years if we're up one degree. And again, I know all the climate you know, models say it's going to warm much faster. That might be true. But let's look at the last 100 years. We went through a industrial revolution in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, okay, temperature spikes, yes. We get massive amounts of volcano erupting, you know, and we saw that in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, temperature drops a little bit. So, yes and no. So it's hard to tell because some factors sure. give us the outliers that spike us up a little bit or spike us down. Right. So, and the thing is, like, I know with big scale things like global climate, a very slight change consistently does mean something. Sure. I just don't know how, how small is some, you know what I'm saying? Like how small is too small to kind of not pay much attention to it. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's just me not being a climatologist or something like that, where I don't really have the education to talk much on it. This is just me kind of thinking out loud and asking questions. And that's really how most of us who aren't experts should be. 100%. I'm going to get on my little soapbox for a second and be like, all of us who don't know anything about it should not talk like we do questions and thinking and whatever is fine. But if you don't know, don't act like, you know, right. But that's isn't that, all. isn't that science asking questions? Right. hundred percent. By the way, uh, speaking of science, did you see the video? It's going viral right now. Dr. Anthony Fauci having to sit on the middle seat in a middle seat on an airplane this weekend. No. Oh, it's quite no. it's quite hilarious. Everyone's like, oh, Dr. Fauci's got to be like the rest of us and sit in the middle seat. <laughs> <laughs> I th- and he was wearing a mask, but that's that's Good. that's a different job, story Fauci. for a different day. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, listen. Again, we have known for a very long time that we are seeing higher temperatures and higher overnight low temperatures around metropolitan areas. And I say that with an asterisk in metropolitan areas because, again, there are plenty of rural stations that I see on a very consistent basis that have had very little change over a course of 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years. And then I look at you know, major metropolitan areas as they've gotten bigger. And yes, the heat island effect is very real. And you've seen increase in temperatures on those stations over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So do they balance out? Yes. Do we see an overall increase of average temperature? Obviously we do, you know, a degree of higher temperature average for, you know, the continental United States over the last 100 years. We see a 0.16 degree Fahrenheit increase, you know, decade over decade. And again, that's an average. So obviously that tells me that there are some years that were cooler, some years that were warmer, but 0.16 decade over decade. Yeah, there might be multiple factors, but to literally just say, and again, this is me because I, I like to ask questions. And when somebody tells me that something is exact truth, I question it. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been that way. That's not just with climate change. That's with anything. That's with any type of fact or whatever. Well, this is exactly what happened. I, I, guys, I'm a journalist. That's what my degree is in, you know. I, I'm skeptical. And I'm not yeah. saying that I'm a skeptic with everything. But there are some things where I look at it and be like, okay, but you have to tell me why. 
And you just can't come out and say, well, this is, this is what happened. Okay, great. Tell me why it happened. And when you don't have the answer, that's where I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe not. So, but again, that's just me. Well, and I think, you know, when it comes to climate change or global warming or whatever we want to call it, the, the two things that we can for sure keep doing is one, keep collecting data, temperature yes. and all of those kinds of things. Keep on collecting it and organizing it and analyzing it because that's obviously going to tell us what's going on. But then the other thing is we all just kind of we do need to take better care of where we live. One hundred percent. You know, and try to lower our carbon footprint is what it's known as. And that's that's going to take a collective effort on everybody's part. And it does take a little extra work. And I'm not saying I'm good at it because I'm not. But I do, you know, I do little things. I have reusable grocery bags and stuff like that. Like I could definitely be doing more. But like I said, those are the two things. Keep what? track of the data and just try to be cleaner. Right. Let's be better stewards of Earth. Yes, we have one Earth, okay? I watched a terrible movie last night. I don't know what the end name of it is. It doesn't matter. Anyways, John Cusack was in it, and it was basically repopulating the Earth on a bunch of arcs, and it was some weird government thing with a bunch of earthquakes, and I don't know, it doesn't matter. It was a terrible movie. Anyways, <laughs> just take care of the planet, okay? Yeah. Again, it is great. Reuse. You know, I know that, you know, you and I growing up, it was always reduce, reuse, recycle. That's great. I heard today a story and I wanted to throw up and change the channel like, oh, you know, recycling is nothing but a byproduct from the oil industry so they can make more plastic. And I just sat there and I'm just like, okay, you know what? It's a sexy headline. It's clickbait across the board. And maybe I'll read the article. Maybe I won't. But recycling is a good thing. It has been shown to reduce massive amounts of waste in landfills. And in the ocean. So that is a and good thing. The ocean's thing. the big one. The ocean is the big one. 100%. we are destroying that. And I mean, one, one other thing I do is I have um, reusable straws. And honestly, I should be like carrying them with me. Or if I go get a drink from a drive-thru, right. like, I don't need a straw. I have one. But, you know, uh, I mean, like I said, it's easier said than done. It is, it is difficult to overall reduce your carbon footprint. But... I mean, doing some stuff is good. And, you know, I was at Walmart the other day and they were wearing their Walmart vest and the back said that this was made, this vest was made from 100% recycled plastic water bottles. So, I mean, you know, that's good. I get bottles of Coke sometimes and they're labeled with, this is a recycled bottle, you know? Right. So, I mean, it, it is good. Um, so stories that say it's not, those we know are... Uh, false. <laughs> right. And, ag <laughs> and, and again, recycle boxes, recycle plastics. And I will say this. I am so sorry. I am a straw snob. I cannot stand paper straws. They're terrible. They don't work very well. If I can go to a restaurant and have a plastic straw, I'm so much more happy. But you're right. Reusable straws are great. I have one at work. I don't use it. I should. So forgive me. But I just, I like my plastic straws. I know I'm a terrible human being. Well, and the, my reusable ones, they're plastic, but they're like washable. Not, I don't think they're dishwasher safe, but gotcha. I have the little, the little um, bristle that's on the long stick so I can get all the way in and wash them all out and stuff. And I should just carry them with me or have a few in the car or whatever so that 
if I get a drink that needs a straw, I've got one that I don't have to throw away. And if anyone has seen the sea turtle story where they pull the straw out of that yes. little sea turtle's nose and that doesn't break your heart, then then you don't have a heart. It's true. It is true. It's 100%. My heart and I'm not saying I don't use straws out in the world. I do. I'm just saying I should use them less. Right. But I do have some at home that I try to use as much as I can. So. I, I have a metal one that I do, that I have at work. And like I said, I don't use it all that much. I've used it twice, but I need to use it more. But speaking of metal, a friend of mine posted, and then here's a quick little side story. She's like, I'm fully vaccinated, which I know you and I are both incredibly tired of seeing these things. I am so happy that you are vaccinated. Like, I'm standing up and applauding you. But this person being tongue-in-cheek and crazy like she is, she's like, by the way, I'm fully vaccinated. That means I can go back to licking doorknobs. It's just weird when people, like, make those kind of comments or jokes. I'm like, I don't really I'm know like, what I, that has to do with anything. I know. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's great. I responded, me in typical form was, you know, copper tastes weird. Well, like, why were you licking them before? Like, 100%. Like, as, like, okay, I will say this. As a joke, as, and again, you know me relatively well. I will occasionally joke to make some situations just a little bit lighter. If they're way too serious, I'll, you know, and again, it's all in, done in, in fun. But at Amazon, where I work, our building, we had, you know, people getting COVID. And so they'd come through and they're like, we have increased, you know, our cleaning stuff all the time. High touch surfaces are cleaned multiple times a day. And I was like, that's great. One of the things that they don't clean and are touch, but we always are wearing gloves is the garage door latches that hold the door shut. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because we work in a warehouse, so we're constantly, you know, having trucks come in and out, so we're always opening these garage doors. And so somebody was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and our our leadership group, a couple people were diagnosed with COVID, and they're all fine, and, you know, they're all back to work. But they're like, oh, man, you know, we should really stop licking the doorknobs. And I was like, yeah, I stopped licking doorknobs a long time ago. I just lick the handles on the garage doors now. And they just looked at me like I had said something like, that had like cursed their mother or father. And I was like, really guys, come on. Well, it's just weird. Cause I feel like people make those kind of jokes. Like you're the, about that person right. who posted on Twitter about it. I feel like they make it to try to like belittle getting vaccinated or downplay it or make right. it like it's not a big deal or something. And I mean, we all, well, I know not everybody, but a large majority of the population goes to get the flu vaccine every year and right. they don't say anything about it. So it's just kind of weird that this vaccine is some sort of weird like conspiracy or like sure something. Right. And again, <laughs> I really I've, understand it. <laughs> I've had, you know, I've had friends that are vaccinated again with the medical condition that I have. I'm waiting for my doctors to tell me it is, it is okay to do. Yeah. And from what I've heard from them recently, that's getting a lot closer than it was, say, three, four weeks ago. And I'm okay with that. Okay. I love the fact that I have a choice to either take the vaccine or not. My mother, yeah. who works in a healthcare facility, had both vaccine doses and she's totally fine. Okay. As you guys know, I was diagnosed with COVID. So everybody's like, oh, well, you got the antibodies. You don't need it. That doesn't matter. Okay. If I get vaccinated, that's my choice. And I'm going to follow the science. I'm going to follow the recommendations of my doctors, and we're going to go from there. Every year they ask, have you gotten a flu shot? And my answer for the last nine years is no. I had a reaction 10 years ago to a flu shot. 
it was election day. I was covering an election party and I became very sick about nine hours later. And and I heard of that, the flu vaccine, like people having a reaction sure. to it. And then they've been told by their doctors not to get this vaccine because it's not the COVID vaccine specifically, it's the vaccine. It's the fact that it is a vaccine and you right. have had reactions to vaccines in the past. That's why. It, so it's just, I don't know, getting it or not getting it should just be your choice based on science and what right. you feel is right for you and not a political stance. Right. That's all I'm going to say. Let's, let's follow, follow the medical guidance of your doctors. Okay. Again, I know I'm a little bit different and I have a very, very good relationship with my entire team of doctors, everybody from my primary care to my team of specialists. Okay. I know that I can pick up the phone or I can email them and they're going to get back to me within 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. I know that's a rarity for a lot of people, but I also know the type of character my doctors are. And so if I need something, I can reach out to them. And if they tell me that they feel it's safe for me to get the vaccine because, you know, they've now gone through trials of people that are on the medication I'm on or have the condition I do have, then I'll do it. But I'm going to go on their advice because I would believe in my heart of hearts that they would look at the data and they would know that, yes, this is safe, this is not. Now, in terms of the flu vaccine, listen, if I need to get a flu shot, I'm going to get a flu shot. I did have a reaction to it one time. That doesn't mean I'm going to have a reaction to it every time. Yeah, but, but it still makes sense to be cautious sure. and not want to do it because that's that's not fun. You know, it's not it's not fun to get sick on something like that. So that's OK to be cautious. It doesn't mean that you're making any sort of statement. You're right. just taking care of yourself. Right. And again, if my doctors tell me to wait and I wait, I will wait. If my doctors yeah. tell me to that, it's OK to go ahead and then I will schedule an appointment to you know, get the vaccine. I'm not worried about it. It's not one of the things. No, they're put, not putting a microchip in here. And I again, I saw another story this week. Oh, microdosing. That means they're putting micro. No, you idiots. They don't have to do that. We all have cell phones. <laughs> like, oh my lord! I, exactly. It's they like, we're we're already chipped. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we talk about how many times do you talk about a product or a service, and then you get on Facebook or Twitter, and there's an ad for it. One time I was searching flights from here to San Antonio and immediately after that I got on to Instagram and was scrolling and there was an ad for flights from San Antonio or from Oklahoma City to San Antonio yep. for Southwest. And I'm like, okay, so we don't have to have anything injected in us because our phones are listening. <laughs> right. And by the way, guys, listen, I know they make very, very tiny microchips. You have to have a basic understanding of how those work for them to actually like do anything. So yeah. Go ahead like, and try have and you seen that needle? That would be a really tiny, not even visible to the naked eye microchip. And I just, you know, like it's just. Sure. Whatever. Great. Again, what's it going to attach to? If it's yeah. literally just a tracking beacon. Okay. It might work. But I'm telling you this right now. They're not putting anything in the vaccine that's going to track you for the government. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah. When you sign your CDC card, that's the tracking device. Just FYI. Yeah, and also so is your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those account. Like, you know, it's mm, it's big data. It's, Shocking. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> people being worried about that, but have a Twitter account. It's like, okay, well, you're already being watched and tracked and flagged, so right. whatever. <laughs> There's a reason why Facebook, Google, Amazon, Twitter are worth the amount of money they are, 
And it's not because they're providing a real service. It's because they have lots of data on us, just FYI. Yeah. Your search histories and that kind of stuff, like it's all being saved and categorized and whatever. So, you know, if you want to get upset about stuff and get upset about that. Predictive (laughs) analytics. (laughs) Exactly. Predictive analytics. So anyways, I digress. Right. We kind of got off on a little tiny tangent, but you know what? It's fine. That's what we do. People need to know stuff. Exactly. Again, follow the signs, listen to your doctors, talk to the other thing. Talk to your doctors. Yeah. Please talk to your doctors. If you do not have one, get one. Find somebody that can be a great primary care. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Find a doctor. It is a good thing. I know. It's firsthand experience. I trust them. Anywho. Yeah. Back to the weather. Bonnie, we need to give the Midwest a vaccine to help spur on storms. So we can order that. Or at least move them further west or something. Like... Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, y'all have had your chance. In Louisiana, you're about to be a, like, you know, hurricane target. So can we <laughs> Again, have some of the freaking weather? <laughs> it's coming. Just got to give it some time. Just got to give it some time. Patience has never been my strong suit, but <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Patience is a virtue except with the case of Bonnie. Exactly. Well, it's my birthday. I don't have to be patient. That At is least true. not today. That is true. <laughs> So are you one of those girls that celebrates just the day, the week, or the full month? I mean, I really, I used to be like a, an all week or sometimes kind of all month kind of celebration, but I don't know. Now that I work full time and stuff and it's hard to just take off a bunch of days and do stuff and whatever. But I mean, you know, I feel very special for the whole month, if that means anything. Well, you should be. You should feel special, not just for the whole month, but for the whole year, because well, you are thirty plus one. That's right, thirty th- and one. Thirty Bring and one, on. right? Oh, I'm so happy it's your birthday. I really am. It's a I good love thing. It. My sister's is on Friday, but she's going to be out of town. But um, she's supposed to be like me. That's why she was born five days later. Well, two years and five days later. Well, I mean, listen, you guys are kind of like a peas in a pod, so it's a good we thing. They really are. Have you already nailed it with the birthday thing? Yes, let's talk. Yes, let's talk about that real quick. So, what did she get you? Because you need to explain this because they are fantastic. Well, first she got me a bunch of fun stuff. She got me some nice perfume and a wireless speaker, and she had this really nice birthday card, and all of this was put into a really nice leopard birthday bag. And I love leopard stuff, so she nailed it with that. And so she had these photos. I think they're eight by tens, and. They were just in this little envelope, so I pulled them all out, and I was looking at them, and I was like, these are cool, because I could tell that they were pictures of weather instruments, but I wasn't sure exactly what they were. She's like, those are printouts of the old original patents for these different instruments, and I mean, some of them are really old. Like you said, the, the anemometer cups were 1964. There was another one that was like 1942 for one of the instruments. I think that was the weather vane, maybe, and... They're just so cool. They, they're they a really nice printout, but they look like, you know, old, like they're on that old paper. And they're just amazing. And I'm going to frame them, and I'm going to hang them up in my office. She really nailed it. She nailed it. Yeah, when you sent me those photos today, I was, one, pretty instantly jealous because I love that stuff. I love looking at schematics and printouts of patents. But, you know, you look at, like we said, the anemometer cups, 1964. 
The barometer, I want to say, was like 1,800-something, which, again, we know that's been around for a long time. But, you know, you look at thermometers have been around even longer. Mm-hmm. You look at other instruments have been around for a long time, too. But, again, just, you know, we live in this day and age where we take these things for granted, right? Yeah. Anemometer, like they're just part of world, the world. Right. And it's like, well, they had to be invented and perfected and... Now we need them. Right. You had to have a need and you had to have a way to, you know, measure something. And again, this goes back to your question. when We were talking about stuff uh, with the temperature and the precip. You know, yeah, I think around, you know, I do sit around and I do think about what it was like in those times where, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to track this. Okay. Well, yeah, we got a thermometer. So, you know, we'll go out and we'll figure it out. But, you know, I got my first weather system. It was a Davis. uh Weather Wizard 3 in probably, gosh, because I had it for 96. So I probably got it in the early 90s. So, you know, I was a teenager. And, you know, my love of weather had started, you know, relatively, you know, soon before that. But it was a digital readout, and I could track the high and the low, right? I knew, you know, just hit a button, boom. There's the high temperature today. Here's the low. Here's the max wind speed. Here's the amount of rain we got. Instant instant weather setup. It was great. And, you know, just didn't think anything about it. But you still have people like Benjamin Franklin who would have to, you know, create a thermometer that stayed at its low point until it was reset or stayed at its high point until it was reset. Or they had to be out there at the absolute coldest time of morning or they had to yeah. be out there in the afternoon when they knew it was going to be the hottest and get that information. And it just, you know, so much of our life now, it's just like it's instantaneous. We can pull up weather records online, <clears throat> touch of a button, great. We can find out what happened today. Again, touch of a button. These guys had to actually do that work. Yeah. they And I'm sure what happened was is they were, maybe they were taking temperature readings hourly for, several months or for a oh, whole yeah. year to determine what hour typically the lowest temperature fell in and the highest temperature fell in. So then they could know, okay, every morning at 2.30 a.m., that's when we need to read the temperature because that's when it's going to be the lowest. I don't know. That's just time I just pulled out of thin air. But, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like they, they had to take a lot of time to determine all these basic things that, like you said, now are just, boom, on demand, and we can just have it. Right. And we know, you know, in a perfectly still atmosphere, the coldest moment will be right before the sun rises. Right. Yeah. That's the absolute point of, you know, radiational cooling is done and the sun comes up. As soon as the sun comes up, it starts to rewarm the atmosphere. And we know generally rule of thumb again, perfect atmosphere, that the height of temperature is going to be sometime between usually four and five p.m. Uh, and again, depends on what season you're in, but let's use summer. Um, where it's going to be the hottest at that point. And then, you know, again, the sun angle starts to go down and you start to get the cooling effect. But to have to figure that out, I mean, what? how awesome would that have been? Being like, okay, well, this makes the most sense, right? We know that <clears throat> based on averages, the you know coldest amount of time or the coldest period of the, of the night is right before the sun comes up. Here's the data that backs that up. That would yeah. have been cool to see. Yeah, like all their their old records and their old books with handwritten 
records, yes. you know what I mean? Like, so that's, yeah, it would just be really cool to, to have that. And that's why I like having these patents and they're really nice. They're like a glossy print. Like they look really, really nice. And I'm really excited to just frame them and hang them up. And like I said, she nailed it. She wins. <laughs> right. Shout out to the sister for the great presents. Bonnie, what do you guys have coming up forecast wise in Oklahoma city? Um, we actually do have some pretty decent rain chances throughout the week. Um, the highest rain chance and storm chance is going to be on Tuesday. Thursday's our only day with no precip chances. So, I mean, I don't know anytime that there's any sort of rain or storm chances, it has a risk of potential potential to become severe with this time of year. So maybe something will happen this week, but right now it doesn't look severe. It just looks rainy and a little stormy, which I'll take. Right. I wish I could tell you that there's a storm system coming up from the West to help kind of, you know, ride that, ride that jet stream and help kick up some moisture. But unfortunately we have a slight chance of showers today, decreasing clouds tomorrow. We're going to turn the temperature up. We're going to be in the mid sixties today. We could get as high as 80, 85 on Wednesday. So that is great. Warm is coming back to the West Coast. I'm excited for that. I'm going to get out and play some golf this week. So I am excited once I get to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to do that. But I'm sorry. There are no storms coming from my neck of the woods. Well, and I think we're going to be too cool. We're going to have highs mostly in the 60s all week. We have like one day where we get to 71. So we're actually pretty, pretty cool right now. It's been actually chilly today. We had a decent cold front come through yesterday and last night, which I think is why the winds were sweeping down the plane all crazy. So um, that's that's going to help keep us from having severe weather because I think it's just too chilly. Right. And I know you guys will eventually warm back up and long range models do indicate that there is a potential for some stuff coming up, but we will just have to kind of wait and see. Well, it better not be lying. It won't. It won't. I promise. All right. You'll get something you eventually. Better keep that promise. Well, I will. Okay. I will. Listen, it is only a matter of time before we see on day six of the, of the outlook, you know, a moderate risk pop up for Oklahoma city. And at that point it's game on. So well, fingers crossed. And I just want to make it clear. It's fingers crossed for the weather itself, right? not the damage or anything that it brings. So mm-hmm. I just you know, feel like that needs to be reiterated, but it's the weather itself that we like. Yes. We are weather nerds at heart. We want good, severe weather, but we want it in the middle of nowhere, churning up a, a hay field that, you know, a farmer can part ways with for a while. Yeah, exactly. That's like, what we want. That's, yeah. Yes. Other than that, no. Yeah, we're good. Right. Give me a textbook thunderstorm in the Colorado High Plains where it's just, you know, grass for miles, and I'm happy. Exactly. We just want to see some action. We don't want to see the results of that action. Right. No death and destruction. Just give me a, a good, strong tornado in the middle of nowhere that's very photogenic, that's doing its thing, that's an uh, LP supercell, and we'll be happy. Yeah, we like them LP. We like them LP, which is low precipitation. Yes, we do not like HP. No. HP. I mean, HP is good. We like precipitation because we don't like drought, but right. can't see anything because it's hidden by the rain, which makes them actually more dangerous. Cause right. Rain wrapped is not good. Nope. Give me a. Can't see it. Can't see how big it is. Can't tell 100% what direction it's going. So LP all the way. LP. LP. Hey, <clears throat> <laughs> LP supercells are are the way to go. But that's right. Bonnie, again, happy birthday. 
And happy Mother's Day, another fantastic edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.